We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Blethin. We are pre-recording this episode on April 10th to get you guys some bonus content before the NFL draft. Uh, Alex, you know, it's it's really coming down to the wire here before the NFL draft. Uh, how, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great, and yeah, especially with no sports, I'm I'd kill for the draft to start today or maybe spread it out across seven days. But you know what? We'll take what we can get, and I'm excited for it to come up. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for this episode, we are officially concluding our position previews. Um, I know, Alex, it's it's wild that we're actually at this point. It seemed like just a week ago we started these things. It's It's pretty crazy that we're actually at that point where We've wrapped up pretty much all of our position breakdowns as of right now. Yeah, and uh, we saved the best for last. Yep, that, that's definitely for sure. So for this week's episode, we're focusing on the raved about wide receiver class. We've been talking about this episode coming up pretty much all offseason, talking about these wide receivers. Um, it is a truly loaded class, and we're really excited to get to it. So for new listeners, for each position, what we do is – we discuss our top five prospects, our sleepers, some overrated prospects, and what our strategy would be towards addressing each position in regards to what the Bears should do on draft night. But what we're going to do for this episode, since it's only one position group that we're focusing on, and because there are just so many names that we want to get to in this wide receivers class, uh, we're going to be switching up a little bit. Where um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be breaking out our top 10 wide receivers in this class, as well as a couple other nuggets here and there uh, for you listeners, just so you can get a taste of the type of talent that's in this class at wide receiver and what the Bears could get from one of these players at some point in this draft. So we're going to dive into it right away. But before we get into that, we're going to take our first break of the show with a word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. You know, just diving into it right away, Alex, you know, when you look at this wide receivers class, obviously there are just so many players that 
that we have to talk about here. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a more talented and deep class of wide receivers in probably over the last decade or so. I mean, there's just so many great names here uh, that that are going to be number one or number two wide receivers in this NFL in the NFL for a very long time. But when you're looking at some of the guys at the top of this draft, some of the most talented, some of the guys that really stood out to you, uh, who were some of those names that popped for you in terms of your top five wide receivers? Yeah, it's pretty crazy because uh, not only is this an extremely deep class, but these top two receivers are both number one and number two uh, wide receiver prospects over the past five drafts for me. So that's having that top heavy or having that top level talent and also depth is something that you rarely see. But I'll fire off first with uh, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. I have him as the number one receiver in this class. He reminds me a lot of OBJ. He's he's a good route runner. He's quick and he's strong and fast. It's it's impressive to watch him just because he is he has an he's an explosive play waiting to happen at any moment. So if I if I was drafting in the top ten, CD Lamb would be the receiver that I would target. For me, he's the best wide receiver prospect since Larry Cooper, who turned out all right and just cashed in a big payday this offseason. Uh, on the topic of Alabama wide receivers, next up I got Jerry Judy. And for me, while uh, Lamb is OBJ, I have Judy compared to who, in my opinion, is the uh, most underrated receiver in the NFL, and that's Keenan Allen. And he gets that comparison for me because while he's not an elite athlete, he is a next-level route runner, the best I've ever seen in a prospect. And when you run routes that smooth and crisp, you're always able to get open and create separation. So uh, Jerry definitely is in the clear top two for me, and he's, he's the only other receiver I'd consider in the top 12. Uh, next up, I got uh, Justin Jefferson out of LSU. It's kind of funny. I had a pair of top two at the top, and then I have another pair here at three and four. Uh, Jefferson was really neck and neck with rugs for me. But uh, Jefferson's just a lot more polished, so I gave him the nod. He's a much larger target and a better route runner than Ruggs is, so I felt a lot safer with Jefferson's floor. Uh, so that brings up four. I got Henry Ruggs third out of Alabama. Uh, he was the biggest riser, I think, and that was mostly because of his absolutely blazing speed in the, in the combine. There's always one receiver that – lights the uh, lights the clock on fire and really solidifies himself as a first round pick and that's what Ruggs did. Um he'll have a day one impact on the NFL just because when you're that fast, not only can you get open and uh, create explosive plays, but also you draw the safety to your lot, which helps get other receivers open. So even if he's not blowing up the stat sheet, which I think Ruggs will do occasionally, he will make a a bigger impact on the game than the stat sheet might show in the NFL. Then uh, the next and final of my top five, uh, who is another big riser after the combiner, more so just the whole off season is Denzel Mims. Uh, he looked great on tape. I thought he was going to be a late first round pick or maybe an early second, but with this off season, I just don't see how he's not a first round pick because not only did he measure in huge at the combine and have one of the fastest 40 times, but also he dominated the senior bowl. He was extremely impressive against top level talent. And that's what really matters when you're evaluating these, uh, these wide receivers is how they're able to perform against the elite corners in the, uh, in the NCAA, because that's who makes it to the NFL. And being able to beat bad corners doesn't translate. So Mims, I think, is a great fit for the Packers. I think he, if he's there for the Packers and they don't take him, they'd be dumb because I really think he would open up that offense and cause a lot of pain for Bears fans like me and you. So let's hope that doesn't happen. But, yeah, Mims rounds up my top five. Yeah, I mean, if any of these guys 
I would hope that the Minnesota Vikings, who have two first-round picks, and the Packers avoid all these guys that we're about to name here. I, I don't want to deal with any of these guys in the NFC North unless they're on the Bears. So uh, that's something that's for sure. So uh, when I look at my top five, I actually have all five names are, are the same in terms of who's on my top five list, but the order is a little bit different. And my tier system is a little bit uh, different here. So for me, for my top five, I have a clear top three. And uh, what that is, these are guys that I think I would be comfortable with picking in the early first round, you, you, know, you know, top 10 picks. I would be comfortable taking all three of these guys around that range in a normal draft. And for me, that's number one, that's Jerry Judy. He's probably the best route runner, like you said, that I've ever seen coming out of college. I mean, he absolutely embarrasses defensive backs out there. It's, it's really unfair uh, what he does to some of these guys. Um, truly, truly uh, one of those guys that you're looking at as a day one, stepping right away and be a number one wide receiver for you. Um, very polished. And I think he has probably the highest floor in this draft class among wide receivers. Uh, I, I just know right away that he's going to be a solid contributor for any offense and any system, really. Uh, for number two for me, and it really is pretty much a tie for me with Judy. It was really hard to separate these two, and both of these guys are top ten players on my board. But I have C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma at that number two spot. Uh, he is incredible with the ball in his hands. That is probably his best trait. And I saw, you know, in terms of a physical comparison uh, from his combine workout, uh, in terms of his physical comparison, uh, he was drawing a lot of similarities to Jerry Rice in terms of the physical – attributes that he possesses and uh you know Jerry Rice is the goat at wide receiver uh, at least for me and you know they kind of have a similar play style in that like C.D. Lamb he's maybe not the greatest deep threat in the world but neither was Jerry Rice both of those guys excel at getting the ball in the short to intermediate parts of the field and once they get the ball in their hands it's pretty much it's over because these guys have really good vision they have a great way great knack of breaking tackles in the open field and good enough speed to where they can run away from defensive backs who are trailing them from behind. So uh, C.D. Lamb, he's a special talent right up there with Jerry Judy for me. But because of Jerry Judy's polish, I just have him a tick higher than, than C.D. Lamb at this moment. And then number three, again, I have Henry Ruggs at that number three spot. And he's in the same tier, I think, as Lamb and Judy. And it's all because of his speed. And, and that's why I think, you know, looking at which one of these guys will be drafted first when it comes to draft night, I think Henry Ruggs could be the first wide receiver selected just because of that speed alone. And I think, you know, one thing that kind of, uh, you know, gets underrated about Ruggs' game is that he's not just a speed threat. You know, he's not just speed. Like a guy, like guys we've seen in the past in the draft who get picked really high because, you know, they ran a fast 40, but they don't really have anything else in their game. Uh, Henry Ruggs isn't like that. I think he's a little bit more polished as a runner than he gets credit for. And I think he has better hands than he gets credit for as well. I think he's a better all-around receiver than a lot of evaluators are giving him, you know, that credit for. So, uh, Henry Ruggs, I absolutely love him as a wide receiver prospect. I would not be surprised if he's picked first um, among these wide receivers. And then there's a tier gap for me uh, between my number three and number four wide receiver. And that number four wide receiver is Justin Jefferson out of LSU. You know, he's a reliable, big slot wide receiver who really stepped up in big games for LSU this past season. And what I really like about Jefferson's game that I didn't really uh, notice the first time I was watching him was that he's very good on off-script plays when things kind of break down. You know, in those scramble drills when the quarterback is running outside the pocket looking for that wide receiver to kind of break off his route and get open, that's where Jefferson really excelled. He's really good at the secondary action in the offense. And that's probably why it took a while for me to kind of warm up to him as a prospect because uh, when I did my first big board here at the Bear Report, I did not have him in my top 50 players. And looking at that now, uh, I've got to say, I look pretty silly in hindsight because after I rewatched him a little bit and started to see the intricacies of uh, how he operates as a receiver, you really start to appreciate what he does in the slot there. So, you know, the reason why I don't have him in that upper tier with Rugs, with Lamb, with Judy is because I'm not sure if his production translates well to the outside because they put him primarily in the slot at LSU. So even though he has the size to be an outside wide receiver, I'm just not sure if he's going to be as productive there in the NFL. Uh, he might be a guy that you just stick in the slot in the NFL for the time being as a bigger slot wide receiver. Um, but if you do that, he's going to be very effective there and a potentially a Pro Bowl level talent for you at that slot wide receiver spot. So Justin Jefferson, he's a mid 
first round talent for me, my number four wide receiver in this class. And number five, I agree with you, Denzel Mim out of Baylor. You know, when I was talking about this guy earlier in the season, I thought he would be someone that would be available to the Bears in the third or second round. Maybe even the fourth round is what he was projected as early on in the year. But as things started to ramp up later on in the season and in the offseason, especially at the Senior Bowl where he was really, really good there, like you mentioned, I just don't see how Mims gets out of the first round. He is a really, really talented player. He's a former track and field sprinter with tremendous size. So that rare combination of size and speed that you just don't really see out of some of these guys. And what I really like about his game is that he's not just a finesse speed wide receiver. He really uses his size to his advantage, plays really physically against some of these smaller cornerbacks on the outside. And, you know, that's going to make him a quarterback's best friend in the NFL because you're not always going to get separation. Sometimes you need that one wide receiver on your team that you can trust in contested or jump ball situations to go make a play for you. And that's something Denzel Mims is definitely capable of. Uh, you know, kind of similar to a DeAndre Hopkins, except I don't think he's as good as a DeAndre Hopkins, but kind of a similar play style with a little bit more speed for me. So uh, Denzel Mims, he's a late first round talent for me as of right now. But uh, yeah, he's he's really talented. So yeah, that's my top five. Uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, the top 10 players in this class, even who's the next five that you're looking at in terms of uh, these wide receivers in this class. All right, uh, that'll bring me to number six. Uh, so it's Jalen Rieger out of TCU. Uh, I actually have an, an article coming out where I touch on Rieger being one of my ideal second round picks. Not sure he'll make it to us because I think he's a, a real threat to go in the first round, but uh, Jalen Rieger is awesome. He has a smaller uh, frame, but he always creates big plays. He's exactly what the Bears need in this offense. He's just extremely explosive, and that is something that you want in your offense. You want a wide receiver who not only can make the, the everyday plays that really just move the chains, but the explosive plays are what are the difference maker in the NFL. I was extremely surprised by uh, Rieger's combine performance. He wasn't as fast or as or he didn't test as fast or as quick as I thought he would. I thought he was going to be right up there with with Mims in terms of the 40, but he didn't test that fast. But if you watch his tape, you can tell that he plays fast and he's extremely slippery. So Rieger's a guy who he might fall just because of how many receivers there are in this class, but Whoever gets him is, is going to get an instant contributor. Next up, I got K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. I really struggle when it comes to evaluating K.J. because he, he's an absolute wild card. He's such a small frame at only five foot nine, but he's also extremely athletic. So he reminds me a little bit of A.J. Brown. So similar to what I said about rugs where he will, he will have a uh, big explosive plays, but I don't know how much of the everyday plays he's going to be able to contribute, but he'll contribute more to the football game than he would on the stat sheet, just by being able to pull the safety away from uh, some of the other primary receivers. So that that's an issue with me is when I'm picking someone in the second round or third round where Hamler will go, it's hard to take someone who doesn't really have wide receiver one out upside. I don't think he has that potential to be able to be the, the primary receiver that defenses will focus on. But I really do think in a good offense, he will just be an extreme difference maker. So that's definitely something that I value. And that's how he is able to slide in at uh, number seven for me. Next up, kind of the opposite frame is uh, T. Higgins out of Clemson. I was real disappointed that we didn't get a 40 time out of him at the combine. He did run one at Pro Day. It was in the mid 4-5, so definitely not bad. I expected it to be slower, honestly, but that's still not a number that you love to see, especially out of someone who didn't create too much separation in college. And the main issue for me is the fact that he 
uh, with the fact that with Clemson's schedule being rather easy these past two years with the SEC being so down and the defenses really not being too prevalent, I was mostly just looking at his four college football playoff games, and he didn't hit 100 yards in any of the four, and across the four combined for only 219. Uh, you can chalk up some of that to the fact that he got injured in that Ohio State game, but even before he went down with injury, uh, Akuda was just absolutely smothering him. He was an absolute non-factor, and with someone who's getting first-round buzz, I don't want a receiver who can't get by a true cornerback uh, one because there's a lot of those in the NFL nowadays. Next up at nine, I'm, I might be one of the higher people on him, but it's uh, Michael Pittman out of USC. Uh, he would have been my sleeper candidate if he didn't sneak into my top 10 at nine. So he had uh, over 1,200 yards this year, 10 touchdowns. Not sure how he didn't get more NFL attention with doing that in a solid conference, but the the later games on a bad team, it, it does make a little bit of sense. But he's got great size, 6'4", 225, NFL pre pedigree, good hands, and he's a lot better route runner than he gets credit for, kind of what you said about Ruggs. But I, I think if there wasn't so many elite route runners in this class that Pittman would be getting a lot more buzz than he is right now. The 10th spot, I was really stuck in between about four receivers, but I kind of went with the uh, boomer bust of the group, and that's uh, LaVisca Chenault. He's, he's got good size. He's got good strength. He, he does a very good job uh, creating yards after catch, but when I was watching him, before the offseason, I liked him because he just looked fast out on the field. But he ran an extremely slow 40. And while you're not, a, if he's already not a good route runner and creating separation, he's definitely going to have even more struggles with that in the National Football League if he can't really rely on speed at all to create separation either. I, I love his upside. His, his ceiling is a wide receiver one, which you can't say that about all the receivers I have ranked above him. But also, I think he is definitely the most likely out of these top 10 to bust. So I have him on there for a ceiling, and I, I do think he could reach it. But he needs to really find a way to uh, create separation that he doesn't really have in his arsenal at the moment. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that about Chenault, although I think I'm a bit higher on him than you, which I'll, I'll get to in a bit here. But, you know, I'll start with number six for me. And I, I agree with you. Jalen Rager is, is my number six wide receiver. And you know, I think he's one of the best pure deep threats in this class. And he has gotten some comparisons to Tyreek Hill, you know, in terms of the physical comparisons. Both are kind of those shorter, stockier wide receivers who just burn you over the top with speed and are capable of breaking tackles after the catch with their quickness. And I, I think that's a pretty fair comparison, although I'm not sure if he's as fast or explosive as Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a, a different level of, of speed there, but uh, Jalen Rager is, is extremely explosive when you get him in space. And, you know, like you said, he didn't really run as fast as we both thought he would at the combine. I was expecting in the low four threes uh, for Jalen Rager based off of what I saw on tape. But you know, the fact that he ran in the mid four fours was a bit concerning to me, but you know, when you look at his explosive testing, you know, he had over a 40-inch vertical, and, I mean, that was just outstanding right there. So he has the explosiveness. He has the ability to get the top speed pretty quickly. So I, I really, I'm really not sure what happened with that 40-yard dash time, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I'm going to trust what I see with him on tape and say that he's one of the fastest, uh, best pure vertical route runners in, in this draft. And, you know, he's the guy that I think, you know, when I do all my mock draft, he, he's the guy that, I'm personally trying – I want the Bears to target the most if they are, you know, content on uh, looking to trade up in the first round for a wide receiver in this class. You know, Jalen Rager, to me, would be the guy to go after because, like you said, he's a perfect fit for what Matt Nagy wants to do on offense. And he's kind of – you know, we'll touch on this a bit later on in the episode, but he, he's really the missing puzzle piece, I think, for this wide receiving core, even though there is a lot of talent on the Bears' wide receiving core as a whole – uh, his speed is just something that 
is something that I think the Bears are really missing at this point, and really the one thing that they really need to really unlock that full potential there in this offense. But uh, Rager, he's number six for me. I, I think he's a very special talent, and he's the last first-round grade for me. So everyone after this, this for me, is a second-round grade. And that starts with number seven. Uh, that's where I have LaVisca Chanel out of Colorado. Um, you know, I, I think your boomer bust take on him is actually uh, pretty accurate. Although I say if LaVisca Chanel does end up booming for a team and, and reaching his potential, he's got as much potential as anyone in this class just on his pure physical ability alone. And that really shines through when he has the ball in his hands because he's, he's very special as a ball carrier. He's almost like a souped-up running back at his size. Very comparable, I think, to a Cordell Patterson in a way in terms of just having that, that tall, big uh, wide receiver running a, a really fast down the field. You just don't want to get in his way at times. So he's very unpolished with his route running and all the technical aspects of playing the position. So like you said, that, that is – definitely an element of his game where you could say that you know if he doesn't get coached up well or, or, or get put in the right offense for his skill set he could be a bust for an NFL team just because of the fact that he's not the greatest one-on-one -on -one technician as a route runner so you know and it should be noted that while he did run slower at the combine part of that was due to a core muscle injury that he was dealing with at the combine workouts which puts into question why he would work out with a core muscle injury at that point you know, it doesn't really make much business sense to me to kind of tank your numbers there due to, to the fact that you're dealing with an injury. But, you know, it is what it is. That's, that's what happened there at the combine forum. But it also notes to another aspect of him that could lead to him being a bust is his overall durability has been an issue for him in the past. So that's definitely something to look out for for Chenault. But at minimum, I think you're getting, you know, if he does end up being, you know, not the greatest pure wide receiver for you. I think he will have a role in the NFL as that Cordell Patterson 2.0 for whatever team he, he goes to. Cause I think he has kickoff return and punt return capability with his skill set as a uh, ball carrier. And then as a, as a gadget player, he could be very special as well when you get him the ball in space. So that's where I see Chenault. He's an early second round talent for me uh, at number eight. I have KJ Hamler. And uh, you know, I, I agree with you. The, the lack of size is something that is uh, kind of concerning for me because you'll see whenever they're in uh, contested situations for Hamler, he really struggles in those spots because, you know, he just doesn't have the size or length to be able to go up and get some of those, uh, those balls. We kind of saw that with Taylor Gabriel in Chicago that, especially in the second season in Chicago, that he really struggled once uh, cornerbacks were able to key in on his speed a little bit and kind of anticipate his routes uh, and were able to get all over him. He just wasn't able to handle – those contested situations. And that's, that's kind of what I fear for Hamler, but I will say for, for Hamler though, his speed is just off the charts. I think he's just as fast as Henry Ruggs in this class in terms of the pure speed element of his game. And you can just tell in the, in the big 10, that defensive backs, they just, it was unfair. They couldn't match up with him. He was just way too fast for these guys. You'd see they'd be lining up 12 to 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage in preparation for his speed and he would still burn those guys by 10 to 15 yards. It was incredible. And I think what really makes Hamler special as a deep threat in this class is he has a very nice knack in his game of tracking the ball over his shoulder. So if you're throwing that ball uh, deep, you know, he has the ability to run under a deep, deep pass and still not break stride, still not break speed and make the catch naturally over the shoulder um, it's it's really unique to watch him track those balls deep. And uh, I think he's, if not the best wide receiver in terms of deep threat ability, he's right up there with some of these guys like Ruggs and Rager. So he's my number eight for me. Uh, number nine, I have T. Higgins. And, you know, I'll get to T. Higgins a little bit later in this podcast, but I will say he's a tall, solid outside receiver. I have him grayed out as a late second-round talent as of right now. Um, I do have some concerns, which you kind of noted there, especially with how he performed in the national championship uh, series the last two years. But, you know, again, I'll get to T. Higgins later, but I think he does have some potential to be a number one or number two wide receiver in the NFL, um, depending on where he goes. And then number 10 for me, I have Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Uh, he's another wide receiver who's at his best when he gets the ball in his hands. You know, not really the best route runner or almost nuanced with uh, the technical aspects of playing the position, but – 
Uh, he's got a returner background in terms of he's done kickoff returns in the past. He's done punt returns in the past. And he's just now starting to develop his game and start to round out his form as a route runner and technician. So he's still in the early stages, I think, of his development. And, you know, if you're banking on his upside, there's definitely a lot there to where if you can get him in the right situation and coach him up, he could be a very special talent for you as a wide receiver. Yeah, he's he's a guy who is considered by a lot as uh, almost a first-round lock prior to – I believe he just had a, a core surgery, if I'm correct. But mm-hmm. he's a guy who really kind of shot up the boards later in the year, which I, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of ability. And, I mean, you could say that for pretty much any water students. Cause there's, there are guys that we weren't even able to get to that – you know, I wanted to mention here in my top 10, but I just couldn't quite sneak them in. It's just one of those it, – it's a loaded class, and that's really where you're getting to, where you got a guy like uh, Brandon Ayuk who's getting first-round buzz, and he's my 10th wide receiver. You don't really see that. Usually there's three or four guys a year that you could consider with a first-round pick at wide receiver, and uh, not this year. There's legitimately seven or eight guys that I think could go in the first round depending on uh, what team is selecting there. Yeah, so why don't you uh, – you said you couldn't fit all your top – or your favorite receivers into the top ten, so why don't you give me maybe your uh, top sleeper of the draft? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, I'm looking at a guy like Quez Watkins out of Southern Mississippi, and this guy is definitely not going to get any first-round buzz. In fact, that you know, in most draft circles, he's considered a late-day three type of talent. But when I look at Quez Watkins, he's a small school wide receiver, but he's tall, he's lengthy, and he's a natural deep threat wide receiver. So he ran a 4.3540 at the combine, very good speed, and he averaged 18.6 yards per reception during his senior year at Southern Mississippi. So he was a constant big play for them um, all throughout the year. And in many ways, he reminds me a lot of Robbie Anderson, who uh, played for the New York Jets and now is on the Carolina Panthers. And both of those guys have similar frames and similar skill sets as a outside vertical threat. And I think, you know, in many mock drafts, I've been able to get him in the sixth round. And I think he could be a steal there because, you know, he might not be ready to play right away because he needs to get stronger. He needs to work on his route running a little bit. But, you know, down the line, he could be a guy that could be a specialist for you as a deep threat weapon on offense off the bench as a number three or number four wide receiver. I definitely think he has that type of upside. Yeah, when you when you run a four three, you you'd probably be able to contribute on special teams pretty well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we see that with Cordell Patterson. He's a freaking bullet running down the sideline. <laughs> He's yeah. I, I don't know if Quez Watkins will be able to do that because uh, he lacks the size that Patterson has, but he could definitely make a mark on special teams as well as a gunner just because of that speed that you mentioned and. He has a long tackling radius as well because of that length. So, yeah, I like Watkins quite a bit. And, yeah, we'll see where he goes on draft night. If he goes to the Bears, I'd be very happy with that pick in the sixth round. Yeah, so you you talked about your small school guy. And I'm about to bring up my small school guy, which is uh, Antonio Gandy-Golton. Uh, he's a Liberty Golden Flash. So, Back-to-back years, he had over 1,000 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. He had almost 1,400 yards this year, which is absolutely crazy that for in two years you have that type of success, but you're not on anyone's top 10 board, which that's once again goes to show how uh, impressive this class is. But not only was Antonio Gandy-Golden lighting up the scoreboard, but he also just he has the frame of a of an NFL football player. He's 6'4", 225, and he he's more athletic than he gets credit for. While he's not a burner, he's definitely not fast. He's one of the slower receivers in this class, but he creates separation pretty well. The main question mark for him is the fact that he played at Liberty University, so the competition he was going against uh, wasn't the best, and they probably don't have NFL corners who are prepared to guard six, four wide receivers. But if you're not looking for significant day one production and you, you want a body that you could put in there as a red zone threat and kind of develop into a more polished receiver in a year or two, I think Andy Golden would be a steal and uh, probably the 
fourth round uh, com- compensatory picks or the fifth round is where I see Gandy Golden going. Yeah, I think Gandy Golden kind of reminds me in many ways to uh, Javon Wims on the Bears, kind of that bigger wide receiver. The you know doesn't get quite the credit that he deserves as an athlete, but kind of has that bigger frame to where you can kind of put him in the red zone in contested situations and. He can make some plays for you. I, I can definitely see Gandy Golden being that type of player as a maybe a wide receiver four for an NFL team. Yeah, and he's for me, he he reminds me a lot of uh Laquan Treadwell coming out of mm-hmm. college, which we all know Laquan Treadwell busted. But at the same point, he was a first round prospect just due to that that size and He wasn't fast either, along with uh, Gandy Golden. But if you're able to get a a first round prospect in the fourth or fifth round, I I I take the upside in Gandy Golden for sure. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna transition here then to our we just did our sleepers. So we're gonna transition to our more overhyped or overrated prospects in this class. But before we get into that, uh, we're gonna take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. We just had an extensive conversation talking about some of the bigger names in this wide receiver class with our top 10 and, and sleeper picks in this draft. Uh, there's definitely, as we you can obviously see, a lot of talent here. But in terms of someone that you think is maybe getting a little bit too much buzz than you have them rated for right now, Alex, who's a guy that you think might be a little bit overdrafted or overhyped in this draft for you at wide receiver? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the guy you had as your number 10 wide receiver, and that is uh, Brandon Ayuk out of ASU. Uh, As we said earlier, he's been getting a lot of first-round buzz, and that doesn't make too much sense to me as he doesn't crack my top 10. Just If you're going to go in the first round, ideally I'd have you be either an insane athlete or a great route runner, but uh, he doesn't jump off the page as uh, an athlete he is a good athlete don't get me wrong if you're getting first round buzz you're a good athlete but he's also just not a good route runner and you you can't be missing both of those two aspects and uh, get first round buzz for me he does get a lot of attention because he's a late bloomer and he's relatively raw Um, I believe he didn't switch until to the wide receiver position until he was a junior in college so that's something that uh, you love to see just because he's more likely to respond well and be able to improve as a route runner when he hasn't had too much experience or coaching in the position. So he's definitely someone who I have a, a second round grade on, but for me, he, he's not in my top 10 or 11 receivers. So that's, that's something that I'd be quite hesitant spending a first round or an early second round pick on. Yeah, I mean, even though he's a number 10 guy for me in this class, I mean, I definitely see your point where there's so many talented wide receivers and so many guys that are a lot more polished and you just know what you're getting out of them than a, than a Brandon Ayuk. I, I can definitely see that there to where there might be some hesitation because he is a little bit raw on the edges. You know, he doesn't have everything down yet in terms of being a professional wide receiver uh, with the route running aspect of his game. So I I can definitely see that there. Uh, For me, I went in a bit of a different direction. I went actually to a guy that's on my top 10 list, actually ahead of Brandon Ayuk, if that makes any sense. And and that's T. Higgins out of Clemson. And it's not that he's a bad wide receiver. I mean, like I have him rated, he's my number eight player on my board in terms of wide receivers. So I think he's a very talented, actually number nine for me, actually, I should say. But I think he's very good as a wide receiver. But he's been getting, like Brandon Ayuk, a lot of first-round buzz ever since the end of the season. And frankly, I, I see him as a late second round pick. You know, if anything, he's closer to a third round talent to me than a first round talent. And that's just me personally. But, you know, I just have a hard time with some of these slower wide receivers. They have a hard time translating to the NFL because if you can't get significant separation in the college level with a slower speed, you're not going to do it at the NFL level. And we saw that with a name that it was kind of brought up earlier when we talked about uh, Gandy Golden, and that was Laquan Treadwell, a former first-round bust for the Minnesota Vikings. His biggest issue coming out of college was that he just couldn't separate from defensive backs at the collegiate level. And 
you know, while he was able to take advantage of his size and physicality in college because defensive backs were a lot smaller and didn't have the ball skills that they do in the NFL, you know, when he gets to the professionals, professional level, uh, these guys are a lot more athletic. They are a lot more technically sound, and they have better ball skills than the guys you have in college, and that physical style isn't always going to work. You know, you want guys that can be able to make those contested grabs and catches for you in red zone situations and, and in some other jump ball situations. But if you're relying your entire production on that type of receiver, um, you know, that's not something that's going to lead to a sustained career. So T Higgins, you know, and especially what really kind of went sour for me on Higgins was uh, like we mentioned earlier, his games against LSU and Ohio state this past year, where you kind of mentioned it, uh, Jeffrey Okuda and Damon Arnett absolutely took him out of the game uh, in that Ohio State game. And then even in LSU, uh, Christian Fulton did a really nice job against Higgins as well. He just didn't make any impact in either of those two games, and that doesn't really bode well to me because that's the closest he was going to get in terms of his competition towards NFL-level talent, and he didn't really rise to the challenge. So that's something that just really concerns me about, about Higgins translating to the NFL even though I do think he's a talented player and a worthy top 10 player at wide receiver in this class. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, the T Higgins is my second most overhyped receiver prospect because he's, he seems like a lock to go in the first round and he just has too many question marks for me with the, the speed and performance against high quality competition that I, I would like to draft him, but I wouldn't touch him in the first. Yeah, and what you know, another thing about me is he skipped the combine, and he, and he said for reasons of trying to to rest, which you know kind of told me if you know if you're not dealing with an injury during that time, you should be going out there and and trying to showcase your talents at the combine. And what that really told me was that he knew that he was going to run a bad time in terms of the forty yard dash, and he didn't want to do that on a big stage like the combine. So you know, he ran a faster forty than I I thought he would at his pro day, but you know, all those pro day comp, uh, 40-yard dashes are going to be pretty significantly faster than what you're going to see at the combine usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he, he ran a, a 4.55, so I, I would be pretty sure he'd run in the 4.6 range if uh, he ran at the combine. Yeah, and, and that if you're running in the 4.6s, you know, at wide receiver and defensive backs, that doesn't really bode well for you in terms of NFL success. Um, so. Moving on to what we're going to be doing for the rest of this podcast here, this episode, um, we're going to change up our format here a little bit because there are just a lot of wide receivers we want to talk about. Uh, so we're going to be doing something different here where uh, we're going to have some separate categories for these wide receivers here. Best hands, best route runner, best deep threat, best height, weight, speed prospect in this class, best yards after the catch receiver in this class and the receiver with the most upside. And so I'm going to start with you, Alex, with the best hands category. Uh, who's the receiver in this class that you think has the most reliable, consistent hands in this class? Yeah, I'd go with uh, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. Uh, Akuda said that he was the best receiver that he ever went against in his college career, and that speaks volumes to me. And Cephas, he's big, he's strong, and he seemed to make a circus catch in every single Wisconsin game. So he goes uh, top of the list for me. We talked earlier about how running a 4-6 isn't good for your NFL draft status. And uh, Quintez, he ran a 4-7-3. So uh, that definitely wasn't good for his draft status. But there's one thing you can't question, and that's his hands. He catches everything. Well, shocker, you went with another Wisconsin Badger here on, on one of these, <laughs> these category lists here. I am shocked. <laughs> um, hey, we got some good prospects this year. Oh, no, I, I, cannot, I cannot disagree with that. Uh, Wisconsin, they do a good job of producing NFL talent. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, I'm going to go to the SEC for uh, my guy with the best hands, and I think that's Justin Jefferson. Um, out of LSU, who's both of us uh, a top four receiver in this class, or for you, number three, for me, number four. Um, Jefferson is just very consistent with his hands. I mean, that thing is like – it's almost like a vacuum 
sealer. He just he just sucks up those balls. And you would see Joe Burrow, he'll be throwing these darts to him underneath. And it was almost nothing for Jefferson. He caught pretty much everything that Burrow uh, threw his way this past year. Um, and he's very good in contested situations as well, which I really like about Jefferson. Uh, he's able to go over the top of defensive backs, and it really did not matter, you know, what happened there. I from I saw about four or five games of Jefferson, and I didn't see him drop a single pass. And his reaction time to some of these balls is, is really nice too, because Joe Burrow, because he likes to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly in some of those timed routes, he'd be throwing them uh, the ball before Jefferson would be even out of his break. And so Jefferson had to react quickly when he turned his head to be able to get the ball and, and snatch it out of the air. And he did that on a pretty consistent basis, and I didn't see any drops in those cases. Uh, he's very reliable. Again, we were talking about him as a big slot receiver. Uh, Jefferson fits that mold perfectly because his hands are so reliable under, and on all the underneath and intermediate stuff over the, over the middle of the field. Yeah, he's – He's impressive. He, he was unbelievable in the uh, college football playoff series. And once again, that, that shows that he has confident hands if the quarterback's willing to throw it up there and, and let him go get it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on to our next category, we have best route runner. I, I think this one's a pretty easy one. I, I, it's got to be Jerry Judy, right? Yeah, Jerry Judy will be one of the better route runners in the NFL. And he's in college, so... That that shows you how impressive he is. Yeah, I, I there's really not much to add there about Jerry Judy. I mean, his route running is why he is so highly rated as a prospect, I think, for everyone. Uh, I just wanted to throw in another name there as probably the second best route runner in this class, though, and that's Van Jefferson out of Florida, who the Bears have actually met with. Uh, Van Jefferson, he's a very polished route runner. Um, he doesn't get enough credit for it just because Jerry Judy overshadows him as a route runner in this class, but Van Jefferson, I have him as an early third round type of talent in this class. You know, he might have to play the more of the slot role in the NFL just because uh, he's not quite the most physical player on the outside. Doesn't have quite the deep speed that you want, but uh, his route running is sublime. I think he is very, very good in the, in the short and intermediate part of the, out of the, of the field. And, you know, he's a, a guy that, isn't going to get a lot of attention going into this draft. He's probably going to drop a little bit in the third or fourth round, and some team's going to pick him up, and he's just going to have a very solid career because of his ability to consistently get open. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Van Jefferson as a, as a one of the top route runners in this class as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely deserves some more attention than he's getting. Yeah, and that's going to happen when you have so many – top-heavy, talented wide receivers in this class. Some of these guys that would go higher in previous years aren't going to get a lot of the attention. They're going to fly under the radar a little bit. So that kind of just speaks to the depth in this class. Uh, in terms of your best deep threat, who you've got? Because there's probably three names I'm thinking here. Um, I, I wonder who you have as the best deep threat. Yeah, I have uh, Henry Ruggs just with that speed. And as you said earlier, he's an underrated route runner. but you combine that with his breakaway speed, he had the top of the board for the best deep threat for me. Yeah, it was really a three-way tie for me between Ruggs, Hamler, and Rager. It was really hard to differentiate between the three. I ended up going with Hamler just because his ability to separate at the top of those vertical routes is, is just special. You know, he's a guy that is just because of his ability to make those over-the-shoulder grabs, he's, he's just so natural with that. Um, you can put him in the slot where he does his most damage in terms of his deep threat ability to challenge those the middle of the field as that vertical uh, separator. And uh, yeah, he's for me, he just got the nod over Ruggs and Rager just a little bit, just because he gets the most separation, I feel like, out of the three. Um, in terms of your best height, weight, speed combination player in this class, I think we both agree that it's got to go to Denzel Mims, who's pretty much got it all in terms of the size, the weight, the length, the speed. Uh, he's a full package there. Yeah, when you stand at 6'3", and you run the third fastest 40 time out of wide receivers, uh, I think you win this competition. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to say. I mean, that's what makes Denzel Mims so good is that that size and that speed. That's what he does. Um, in terms of your best yard test of the catch receiver in this class, uh, there are some a lot of good guys after the class in, the, in this draft. Um, but who was the guy that really stood out to you? There's a few names at the top of my list for that. 
Yeah, I was. I really wanted to show a little bit of love for uh, Hamler or Rieger, but I had to go with CJ Lamb or CD Lamb. CD Lamb is he's unbelievable. I feel like both him and Judy could have uh, played a, a role in some of these other categories we talked about, but we wanted to focus on people who uh, it was more their their number one skill, whereas Lamb and Judy are a little more polished all the way around and. Yeah, Lamb, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's always a threat to score. Maybe that was because he was playing a lot of Big 12 defenses, but I, I just think he's a special talent, and in the next level, he's going to have a, a lot of big plays. Yeah, and this was a tough one for me because I wanted to go with Lamb. Uh, it was, and there was a lot of guys at the top here that uh, I think I could have gone with. It was either Lamb, uh, Brandon Ayuk, or Rieger, I think, were the three for me, but – I ended up going with LaVisca Chenault just because I feel like that's his best skill set, you know, getting the ball in his hands underneath or on gadget plays and letting him go to work. And that's, that's really what he does as a player. Um, really, Chenault is almost like a running back. You know, he's just that type of athlete with the ball in his hands. So, you know, I, I think CeeDee Lamb is probably uh, the better after the catch in the deep to intermediate parts of the field just because he has that better awareness there. But Chenault, in terms of getting the ball to him underneath or on some of those wacky gadget plays. Um, he's probably the better, in, best player at that in this class, I'd say. So I, I want to give a shout-out to Chenault there. And then, you know, last but not least, who's the wide receiver for you in this class? I mean, I know there's a lot of them that have a high upside, but who do you think has the most upside in this class? Yeah, I think the, the upside has to go in between uh, Judy and Lamb. Those two are the, the clear two best receivers for me. Uh, Ruggs is a little too small for me that I don't think he qualifies for the most upside. So I'm going to have to go with Lamb just because he's, he's more athletic than Judy is for me. And uh, he could develop a little bit more as a route runner, and that would put him over the top. Whereas Judy, he can't really become a better route runner than he currently is. I'm sure he can, but it'll still be the, the same difference maker than he already has. Yeah, I can't imagine um, Judy being a better route runner than he actually is because he's almost perfect as a route runner. So that would be – if he could improve at that in any shape or form, that would just be – that would blow my mind because he's already world-class at that. But I'd, I'd probably have to go with Lamb as well. Uh, but honestly, it could be any one of these first-round guys, I think. You know, it's really tough to say because um, I think Ruggs, with his speed, he probably has the chance to be the most explosive player in this draft just because – no one's going to be able or there's going to be very few players that will be able to keep up with him, and even at the NFL level, um, which just makes him even more dangerous as a player. But, um, yeah, I'll probably have to go see Lamb just because he's kind of that full package. You know, I have Jerry Judy above him just because he has a little bit of a higher floor for me. But, uh, yeah, Lamb, if he can put it all together in terms of the route running aspect of his game, uh, he could be a, a true superstar in the NFL for a long time. Uh, so we're going to – move on to our strategy for the Bears in terms of addressing wide receiver in this draft. But before we get into that, we're going to take our final break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. So you know what we're going to do now to conclude this episode is we're going to go over, like we've done with every single position leading up uh, to wide receivers, is we're going to break down what we think the Bears should do in terms of addressing the wide receiver position in this class. And, you know, the Bears, you know, even though they have a lot of talent wide receiver with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller is kind of establishing themselves as, a, as the clear-cut number one and two wide receivers on this team, you also have some guys like Riley Ridley and Javon Williams behind them that have been pretty productive when they've been called upon um, but are still kind of unproven at this point. Uh, you know, there is some talent here, but I, I think we both agree that the Bears could look to add another wide receiver in this, in this draft, especially with all the talent that is at the top. Yeah, I, I'd just like to kind of lead off with what you said and that I really do like this receiver room because Allen Robinson, he's established, established himself as a, a number one wide receiver. Uh, Anthony Miller, I think he's in a phenomenal route runner and he, while he is uh, extremely successful in the slot, I do think he'd be able to move to the outside if need be. And then Wims and Ridley are just both some, some nice, young, intriguing depth. Right now, there are wide receiver three and four, but 
uh, in a situation that they could be our uh, numbers four and five, that would, that would be incredible. So uh, the main thing that I have is I think we definitely need to address speed in our offense. Uh, obviously, Corderell Patterson has that speed, but we haven't really been able to find a way to have him be a true threat as a receiver. So uh, coming into this uh, draft class with so much talent and so much speed out of the receivers, I'd honestly be a little disappointed if we didn't come back from this draft with a new wide receiver. Ideally, a guy like uh, Rieger or even more ideal Mims drops to us in the, the second round. I would love to scoop them up, but I don't think that's something that we can count on as both of them are first round talents. It's more so if there aren't uh, seven or eight uh, first round needs at wide receiver for the teams drafting above us. But uh, guys later on, like uh, Michael Pittman, who I spoke about, Gandy Golden, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan, or uh, as you talked about, uh, Quiz, Quez Watkins. Those guys would all be fun in the later rounds just to, to give, the, give the Bears a little bit more speed and some future upside in a position that uh, is just becoming more and more important in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument outside of quarterback and offensive tackle, maybe center, that wide receiver is probably the most important position on offense right now, the way that the league is trending. And, you know, while in the past you'd like to have two threats at wide receiver, now, you know, with a lot of these teams going to three wide receiver and four wide receiver sets a lot more often, you need three or four capable options out there. Um, at wide receiver, and one of them has to be a speed option for you in order to spread out defenses. And that's where I, where I agree with you the most is that if the Bears are going to add wide receiver in this class, I'd like to see them add a truly explosive, speedy, um, deep threat type of option for this team. Because, you know, when you look at what they have in the roster right now, obviously, you know, we talked about this quite a bit. Robinson, he's established himself as the alpha in the wide receiver room on this offense. He's by far the most consistent player on the entire offense for the Bears last year. I can't imagine how bad the offense would have been if Robinson wasn't there last season. I mean, he bailed them out so many times um, with his presence alone. Um, so he's the true number one. I think Robinson's a, a truly a borderline top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. And, you know, you talk about Miller being more of a slot wide receiver. I think that's where his role is best because of that route running ability that he has. And, you know, my favorite route that Anthony Miller runs is that slot fade, and he just gets open on that every single time, it seems like, when he's running that. And I felt so bad for him over the last two years because he would get open on that so many times. And because, you know, we talk about this quite a bit, where Mitch Trubisky kind of struggles to make his reads and go through his progressions, he's missing him so many times. And I, I just feel like there are so many yards left on the field with Anthony Miller. Um, that he's kind of getting, getting, been getting underrated, I think, by a lot of fans and uh, people around the league for how good he is as a route runner. So I, I think, you know, you talked about that, that that's a nice, solid top two options there. And when you look beyond that, Javon Williams, he's kind of that bigger uh, red zone type of wide receiver, kind of like that Allen Robinson uh, insurance in case he goes down with an injury, although that's a big drop off in ability there. And then Riley Ridley is a good route runner, and he kind of fills that Anthony Miller role, I think, if he goes down with an injury in the slot there as more of that pure technical player in the, in the middle of your offense there. But they need that true burner, I think, on the outside to really make this offense go outside of just getting a better quarterback, which we'll see what happens with you know, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky takes the jump this upcoming season. But speed is definitely important here, and I, I think that's something that – I think Maggie and Ryan Pace, they're going to be looking at the top of this draft to try and get that speed element because that is really what unlocked the Kansas City Chiefs offense outside of having Patrick Mahomes who can throw it 100 yards accurately down the field. But, you know, having a Tyree kill there really opens up everything that they want to do on the offense for the Chiefs. And, you know, if Nagy wants to run this offense like he did in Kansas City, he needs to get that true burner on the outside to uh, spread the defense out, like you've said many times before, to where those safeties aren't compressed in the field and limiting throwing windows for the quarterback. So when I looked at some of the guys in, in this draft, for me, 
you've already said it, the top two that I'm looking for right now are Jalen Rager and Denzel Mims. And if, you know, I've heard some rumors that the Bears, you know, Ryan Pace might be looking to trade into the first round, which you know, I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of because of the limited draft capital. But if he is going to take that swing and look to get into the first round to draft one of those two wide receivers, I want it to be Denzel Mims or Jalen Rager just because, you know, when I look at it, Allen Robinson, he's a true number one on the outside. Anthony Miller, he's your slot wide receiver with his route running ability. And then having that second outside wide receiver with some more speed and more of a vertical presence there, like a Mems or a Jalen Rager, uh, that could be something that could really open up this offense, I think. So, you know, some other guys I think that could be available for them. The second round, I look at KJ Hamler. He's a bit redundant in the slot with Miller, but, you know, I think his speed would be a, a welcome addition to this offense. I'd love it if he was available to them in the second round or maybe even the third round if they trade back a bit in the second round if he's available to them there. I mean, that would be an intriguing name for me. Uh, some other guys that uh, we've talked about a little bit on previous podcasts, uh, K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. He kind of fills that, that slot wide receiver role a bit pretty well. And then Devin Duvernay out of Texas. He's another guy that I could definitely see being an option in the third round if the Bears can trade back into that spot at some point in the draft. Yeah, I just think that uh, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller would – be open. One of the two would be open on every play if we had a true speedy threat to kind of just pull the defense apart. Yeah, and I'll and I'll pose a, a a situation for you here. If how would you what would your reaction be if the Bears were to give up one of their second round picks in this year's draft and maybe a future second round pick to maybe trade up into the late first round to get a, a Jalen Rager or a Denzel Mims? What what would your reaction be to that? Um, in terms of would you be excited for that or would you be, you know, maybe thinking in the back of your head, okay, we got a good player, we feel the need, but, you know, the lack of the loss of a draft pick might hurt us uh, down the road. Yeah, it'd definitely be mixed emotions for me because I'd be extremely excited for the offense and I'd be extremely excited to have uh, one of those two guys on the football field. But I would also just – I would be upset if uh, – Ryan Pace trades up at all in this draft just because the the draft capital the draft capital is already low. We know the salary cap is just going to get tighter for us, and that's that's something that we should uh, not kick the can down the road. We don't want to end up in a situation like the Rams are in or the uh, Texans are in, where they're just lacking the draft capital to fill the needs and the cap is getting too tight for them to make their team significantly better. So while it does, it would make a big difference for the 2020 bears. I would, I would prefer to, to keep the seconds, especially with how many other good receivers are in this class. Yeah. You think that, you know, if they were to make a move like that, they'd almost have to trade back with that second, second round pick in order to get some additional draft capital, either for future draft picks or maybe some more draft picks in this class. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been kind of going back and forth on whether I'd, I'd want the bears to do something like that. Um, part of me wants them to do it so bad because I think Rager and, and or Mims would be truly difference makers on this offense um, they would really open up a lot of things for for this offense in, in many ways. But, yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you there that, you know, trading up, you know, while you can get a better player and you can get your guy, so to speak, you know, you don't want to be like the Rams or the Texans like you just said because we just saw with the Rams, they had to trade uh, Brandon Cooks and take on a huge dead cap, uh, you know, earlier today or was it yesterday from the day we were recording just to get rid of his contract and get an, an additional second round pick. And, you know, just because they just don't have many draft picks to, to, to work with right now. And they're, and they're short on space as well in terms of cap. Room. Yeah. And part of the reason also I'm so against that trade up is I could see scenarios where Jalen Rieger drops a bit, just because I feel like there's, a relatively clear top five with Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, Jefferson, and Mims. And it, it seems like some, some teams are really high on Higgins and Ayuk. And that's, that's seven receivers right there. And the, there's a chance that there aren't 
eight receivers off the board when the Bears come to pick at 43. And even if there are eight off there, there there's guys like Chenault and Hamler who are also uh, in play. So hopefully there, there's a special circumstance where Rieger falls to the Bears at 43 because that, that's a match made in heaven. Yeah, he's one of those guys where if he's there for you at 43, you know, you can't really run up to the board this, you know, run your card up uh, this year because, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, teams are going to be doing their draft virtually, uh, you know, with what's going on right now. But, you know, Rager is that type of player for the Bears where if he's that 43, it's there's no decision there. He, you, you call into your guy with the card and you put the card, take the card in, and you take Rager right away because he's just the, the level of impact that he's going to have in this offense, I think, is it would be really, really special for what they, what they need uh, as some of the finishing touches, I think, on this offensive unit. Yeah, if they ran uh, the draft similar to a, a fantasy football draft, you'd, you should just put the, have the Bears put in Jalen Rieger as their uh, <laughs> automatic pick if they, if they don't pick within the allotted time. Like, oh, if he's there, we'll take him. Right. No, definitely. I, I couldn't agree <laughs> any more than that. You know, Rager, he's he's a match made in heaven, I think. And if he's available, you know, there's a lot of guys that the Bears can get later on this draft. But if they can somehow address that early on in the second round, I, I think that's something that we would both love for the Bears to do in this draft. So uh, with that, you know, we talked a lot about the wide receivers here. I think this is a good time to conclude this episode of Picks for Pace. Uh, you know, thank you guys for tuning in, Bears fans and draft enthusiasts alike. As we've now officially finished up our position breakdowns for the uh, 2020 NFL Draft, Alex, that's I gotta say, it's pretty impressive for the first time kind of doing this thing. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, an uh, an announcement to our listeners: we uh, just fired up our Twitter account. The account handle is at Picks for Pace. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, we're gonna hopefully be able to start getting some questions from you guys and interact with you a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, we want to get your guys' thoughts on the draft and anything related to Bears football as well, you know, on, on the Picks for Pace account. Definitely check that out and follow us there on Twitter. So keep an eye out for all that. And as well as over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some more draft content as we lead up here over the next couple of weeks to the start of the 2020 NFL Draft on April 23rd. It's, it's coming up really quick here, so uh, we're going to have some things coming out, uh, a couple more episodes for you guys to listen to before the draft takes over. So thank you guys for listening once again, and uh, we look forward to more football content, more draft content coming up shortly. Yep, I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys later this week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.